All right, all right, all right. It's your girl Joy has questions coming to you yet again on this amazing Sunday. Um, was slightly annoyed at all the runners keeping me from getting my cinnamon dolce latte, but that's good. You all got your cardio as well as your medal, so congratulations. Um, I am sitting here with three amazing Black Kings. I've been following them for a long time. Love the work that they're doing within the community. Also, let me just give a shout out. All their hair is moisturized. Their garments are pressed. <laughs> You know, their teeth are straight, just making the black ancestors look good. Madam C.J. Walker is giving y'all a head nod, and so is Papa Frederick. He's like, look at my boys with these lines. Good job. Um, so I have the founders of Production Colors here today. I'm going to let you all introduce yourselves. Take off, start off however you want to say with your intro. Just go for what you know. Uh, <laughs> right. like, um, me? Peace, peace. Uh, the name is Joshua L. Ishman. I am one of the co-founders as well as the choreographer uh, and co-director of Production Colors. Peace and love. This is Sam Trump, um, one of the co-founders and the composer for Production Colors. Hello, everybody. This is Justin Clark. I'm the acting project manager of Production Colors. Yes, y'all, they came through on some Black Power Ranger shit, and I am here for it. So, Come on, Zach. <laughs> Hello. All y'all need is like Trini and the, well, no, the Pink Ranger got on my nerve. Just find the Trini team. was yellow, though. No, I know. Yeah, That's she what was. I'm I loved her. She was the one that was about that life. The other one was too stuck on Tommy. But that is not the point. <laughs> <laughs> so I am moving right into You Better Know. I was trying to think of someone that I have always admired the originator of the Bevel Kid when it came through with his flyness and his freshness, and that would be Papa Elijah J. McCoy, mm. who was born May 2nd, 1844. Now, his unique story, he was born to Canadian parents. He was free. His parents actually went through the Underground Railroad, and they had the foresight to know, nah, the U.S. is going to be on a bunch of bullshit. We are going to take this trip to Canada. So they basically resigned or resided there, and then when he was a child, he came back to get his American citizenship. Now, he is known for for being an American inventor and engineer who is known for, get this, 57 patents. I was like, there's people out here just trying to get one. And he was just like cranking these bitches out left and right. I love him. Uh, on top of it, he was more notable for the lubrication of steam engines. Now, obviously, this is a different time period train production as well as with steam engines period that was how everyone moved around so with him coming up with that invention for the elijah mccoy patent or that process it completely revolutionized how that industry could take off now when it came down to him being a young man trying to figure out what am i going to do at first he could only find work as a fireman or an oiler at the michigan central railroad railroad so in a home-based machine shop in Michigan, he basically wanted to do more skilled work. So he took it upon himself because the foreman was on Good BS, where we heard this story before. Mm -hmm. So he invented himself an automatic lubricator for oiling the steam machines of locomotives and ships and then pat patented it in 1872 as the improvement in lubricators for steam engines. Now, this was the U.S. patent, 129,843. I'm going to say that number because it's all full circle. I'm bringing that up for a reason. So he continued to refine his devices and made new ones. Um, 50 of his patents dealt with lubricating systems, but he also was known for making inventions that also had to do with ironing boards. I'm like... Mm -hmm. Look at him trying to help me maintain my freshness. Come I'm on. like, thank you, sir. Keep I appreciate that. Okay? If the line is not straight, I'm not walking out my house. Like, that's not how I was raised. Curve so, is not the word. 
I like you. Thank you. <laughs> this is, is going to be good. So in terms of his creativity, he was honored with the status in the black community for being one of the preeminent members in terms of inventions. Now, here's also the problem, though. With him coming up with patents in the way that the U.S. patent system was, a lot of times he had to even, he didn't have the capital for it, so he either had to give it to the companies that he was working for or he had to turn it over to investors. But towards the end of his life, he was able to develop his own business in which he basically was able to hold and maintain his inventions. Now, the reason why he is so amazing, his technology or technological advances were so dope that it got to the point that when companies or train companies would go to buy different products from him or rather products that was based off what he had made they would specifically ask for his they were like we don't want that secondhand half-ass shit Mm -hmm. we want the real mccoy which led to the first what i like to call you know slang term i'm like Mm -hmm. you better hold us down the original on fleek which was known in the 1800s as the real mccoy which was a way of saying you were the real deal you weren't shisty you weren't flaky you held your own because Mm -hmm. you were the best of the best now He is buried in Warren, Michigan with all of the regalia that he deserves for the advancements that he did. When I bring up patents, though, and why it is so important, I say this all the time, make sure you have the dotted line sign that you are holding on to your intellectual property. Not only that, but just whatever it is that you are producing. Patents give inventors a monopoly over their invention for a limited time period, but that's also the way that you are able to help make more capital. It's through your inventions, and it's also through the way that you can get licensing deals. If you give that away, you have absolutely nothing to your name. That's why also from other examples that I've given on the show when it comes to Albius Edmund, the young man who basically figured out how to produce vanilla. He died a broke free person, yes, because the French government had to sit there and I'd be like, okay, well, I guess we can't hold you all anymore. But this is a man responsible for a multi-billion dollar industry and him and his ancestors saw nothing. The same thing with Nearest Rush, who was the actual originator of Jack Daniels when it comes Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that His family sees nothing. So when I am saying I don't give a fuck about equality, I'm about equity, I want the dollar bills to be reinvested. And the first way that we do that is holding on to our intellectual property or just whatever the goods are that we come up with and aligning ourselves, not with people who want to steal them from us, but with people that actually want to see it matriculate and grow. I say all that to say. Definitely. Come on. Well, take a breath. No. (laughs) But I say all of that to say this. When it comes to the U.S. patents, even before the Constitution was made, there were laws put in place with the colonies to protect patents. Why? Because beyond the principles of freedom and the land of the free and the home of the brave, blah, 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 it was the fact of people understood if you hold that key, if you are able to maintain your your goods or that wealth, then that's how you make it grow. So that being said, shout out to... Patent number 129,843, a.k.a. Grandpa Elijah McCoy and his other 57 that he put into existence. And let's all figure out ways to be more like the real McCoy. All right. So that was great. Education. Had a way to, you know, to just pop it off and start there. I'm going to move right into so according to IG. I said this all week when it came to the Laquan McDonald verdict, I was in double Dutch mode. I was wet 
to go. I left work early on Friday just because my anxiety was so high. I was just like, I am not about to cry in front of a bunch of randoms. Either way, the verdict went. But I also was just like, no, I got to get home because this Fitbit is going on my wrist and we about to get these steps and march around Jericho if it is not the right verdict. Okay. Um, He was, Jason Van Dyke was found guilty on all, you know, 16 counts of aggravated battery as well as second degree murder. Um, I was a little bit nervous because the judge was doing a little bit too much explaining. I'm like, okay, sir. I don't need the the judicial system history lesson of like the difference between first and second degree. Like, what are you getting at? Um, but it came out as being a guilty verdict. What were you all's like initial feelings, thoughts, emotions when the verdict came out? Leading into the verdict or just when it finally dropped? Both. Leading into it, not a lot of hope. I remember I was at work talking to it about with my colleagues and uh, one specifically who grew up on the west side. And then just thinking about how big it was and then also for the fact that we don't see a lot of justice. So having to go in my office, close the door, you know, live streaming on my phone and just sitting there waiting like either all hell's about to hit the fan yet again or we might get a little bit of nudge of like what we deserve. Yeah, I um, I actually thought that it was going to come out the way it did. Um, it, it was super clear. I mean, there was no way, you know, that – in my mind, in my mind, I was like, "There's no way that, that, that this dude is getting off." Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised. I just felt that um, the video itself, you know, is, is said at all, and which is one of the reasons why it was held in the first place. And granted, other videos have been held, and and we've haven't gotten the same result from uh, from trials and and from. Uh, you know, trying to hold our, our system accountable, but um, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a new day. I feel like things are different, and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it was, it was, it was time for something to happen. Uh, I felt like it was also too, too big of an issue, to not. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been crazy. It'd have been like the yeah. purge oh, yeah. and the Passover at yeah. the same time. Like they armored the city. Yeah, they armored the city. Because they were afraid what was going to happen. Um, it, which is telling mm-hmm. and a bit infuriating in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, not that uh, we, not that people, um, I say we, but not that people needed to uh, accept any information passively. But uh, to have something of that kind of weight and depth and granted uh in past experiences video uh there have been clear video and mm-hmm. and no actual justice um take Tamir Rice for example the fact that Tamir Rice's shooter got off and the Philando video Castillo. and Philando Castillo yeah, that, like, that was the one I was like Philando Castillo was a, it was it was a clear thing that he did everything that y'all tell him about to mm-hmm. and NRA didn't jump out to say nothing oh no oh no no, which is not not surprising, but it's a thing of you got all you got all of these lobbyists and you got all all this uh, uh, un, uh, useless political jargon that goes around it, but logic gets thrown out when it comes to the when it comes to the murder of black folk. Yeah, it's a very interesting time to be yeah. to be here. Yeah, it was funny to me, especially hearing the judgment come down. One, how startling it was hearing like shot one shot two but then also that he was found not guilty on police misconduct 
So it's that interesting juxtaposition mm. of having you obviously, you know, secondary degree murder. This is illegal. You shouldn't have done this. But when it comes to what you're supposed to do as a police officer and how you're trained in the protocol, you are perfectly in line. So having folks have to wrestle with, he did exactly what he should have. So says the police institution. But you're also outside the realm of the law. So it's like, yeah. this is your training. And you did exactly what you're supposed to, which is kill black folks, for lack of a better word. You know? It's something that I, um, I've i seen personally in terms of like the inner workings of the CPD or the militarization of the police department. Like it's, it's literally, they come out and like, you know, like stormtroopers almost in a mm-hmm. sense. It's like they are like fitted down. And I'm like, is this a, how you want to respond to a peaceful protest or the fact of like, there are no beat cops, there's no community involvement. So you have a bunch of people that for lack of a better terms are coming off Montrose. They live there, but yet you're trying to police someone off 63rd and Eberhardt. Like there's, completely two different ways of how like people interact so of course you are feeling uncomfortable um but I think the biggest thing when it came down to the verdict was I say accountability you know because now it's the beginning I feel of the process of you have now the thought process you you can't just you know randomly just shoot someone you know and even though that should have to go without saying it definitely, I feel, is something that is going to resonate a lot with the Chicago Police Department or with all police departments because it's now that step of accountability of this is not just open season or like, okay, corral, where you know no matter what you do, you will be protected. Um, I was also looking at this case very closely just because there's the whole thing of Justine Damon, who is the Australian-American or the Australian woman who was shot in Minneapolis. Um mm-hmm. The Somalian police officer accidentally, you know, mistook her for a suspect, shot and killed her. And so that case is ongoing. Mm-hmm. So I, it will be interesting to see what is what is going to be the results of that, you know, right. because the outcry has been this law-abiding citizen. How could this happen? I'm like, it happens all the time. And it's not yeah. to bring up a tit for tat. This woman mm-hmm. should not be dead, right. you know. But the narrative that plays out, you know, with white victims versus black ones, it's completely different. Yeah, so. Every time. Um, so for this to be a little bit of hope, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still miffed because I'm like, he should have got a first degree. He should have got a first degree. I still feel like to a certain extent, the bar was set so low, especially with our you know community and just expecting justice, that it was like, we will take this and move forward, but no going forward if you know these situations continue. This should have easily been a first degree yeah. murder. You know, conviction. So, well, see, that's what I'm talking about. Is easily that's based on that's based on a logic that says that uh, uh, black citizens are considered equal as people, which has never been the case, and uh, can be a personal perspective. I speak for no one but myself. Mm-hmm. Black people, uh, the a black populace who continues to believe, fight for, and fight in a system that has never fought for them will never make sense to me. Expecting the lo- expecting the logic of equity in a system that has never shown it to you. Right. And it's built brilliantly. Give credit where it's due. Built brilliantly to keep you from functioning well inside of it. <laughs> There is no going into it fighting via the system to beat the system. The right. system is designed to work. It's 
it's such an abusive relationship. And mm-hmm. it makes me think so much on when you hear people, whether kind of looking at it like you would as far as, you know, a platonic relationship and friendship that you're talking with folks where it's like, you know, this entity, this person keeps on telling you all the great things. Like, you know, all lives matter. Everybody's, you know, treated equally on the law. Racism doesn't exist, this, that, and the third. But the words never match up with the actions. Like, we still have disparities economically. We still have disparities in funding of education in certain sectors. Redlining is still running, you know, amok, gerrymandering. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's that same thing of how how long are you going to try and placate yourself continuously listening to what the hell you're being told while you're still getting shot, you're still getting stabbed, you know, at the least. Like, at some point you have to say, like, your words don't mean anything because there's no follow-through. And like you were saying with the system, like, you can only control yourself at a certain point. So either you can be okay with this, keep on existing in the system, knowing that any progress you're going to get is at their whim and it's even going to be minutial at that, or you have to take yourself out of the equation and let the system just continue to foster its own bullshit. It's just, you said it earlier, it's just like an interesting time, you know, to be alive. We're like, what a time to be alive. No, truly. I think it's something. To be black and alive in America, too. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> is what I meant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the cl- the clarification. I think. The biggest thing for me is, you know, we we read the stories, you know, the of Emmett Till, of of you know Robert Taylor, of Daniel, like you know all of these different moments in our history, you know. And I think the thing is, if you truly want to know what you would have done during those times, we're doing it now, you know. I think how you respond to conflict, even when it comes down to like what is considered freedom for African Americans within this country. The desegregation of schools, or this happened like 60 years ago, you know, just in general, where there can be officially, at least on paper, like, well, technically, you like all... On paper, there was a desegregation of schools. Exactly. Right, well, on paper. Like, legislatively, it happened, but... Implementation? Implementation. Right, like, There was still. just white flight. My mother was 17 before she ever went to an integrated school. Like, that's somebody's lifetime. My father never lifetime. did, and like, neither... Did my mom. So it's like when someone tells me like, oh, it's the past. Are you talking about my grandma? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I can call her up and be like, hey, mom, how did it feel to pick cotton? My mother picked cotton in the 60s, like growing up in Arkansas and, and picked walnuts, you know, as a migrant working on, you know, this plantation. The 60s, not 1862, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 1962. And my mom was just like, well, yeah, like that's what everyone did in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So when it comes down to, you know, looking at what does, you know, revolution look like? What does activism look like? What does, you know, speaking out look like? It's more than just like reading up on Martin Luther King and, oh, they're good and goodness, Malcolm. Like, it's more than just putting a quote on a T-shirt because I'm like, the exact same thing is repeating itself and happening. And how we step up to the plate, you know, it definitely, you know, I think refers back to our character as well. Um, Moving right along, on one end, at least there was justice for Laquan. And now on the other end, Brett Kavanaugh is... (laughs) Oh, white women, y'all. Dr- okay, Brett Kavanaugh is getting confirmed, basically, to the Supreme Court. Oh, has been. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yesterday? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yesterday. Yeah. He already has been. That's in there. I I want to know, <laughs> as, as, as 
aggravating as it is, who is surprised? Who who really saw the confirmation and went, oh no, how could this happen? Because it was so obvious that they, look here. <laughs> While I am the biggest person to tell you that uh, don't know how it will be, but everyone always has a, a karmic debt to pay. Mm-hmm. And the what has happened as far as the continental U.S. is concerned uh, of of and uh, continental Europeans uh, with even regarding descendants that were responsible for the continental U.S. The karmic debt that has or the, the karmic uh, yeah the karmic debt that has been filled by um, historically white people. Um. And even some of those who participated in other in mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, there are Native Americans who had slaves. There were free people who did nothing. There, there's a there's a lot of common debt to go around, mm-hmm. sure. But it's really gotten to the point where racism or the racial construct of being racially prejudiced used to be a lot more subtle. Mm-hmm. Discrimination used to be a lot more subtle. It got blatant. It got subtle. It depends on where you at. Um. How do you be surprised when someone is so blatantly there saying it in front of you? At Lindsey Lindsey Graham uh, uh, said said blatantly in an interview, "This is gonna go through, so y'all might as well deal with it." I'm paraphrasing, obviously, right. because I you know missing my southern drawl. Um, but they told you, they told you they don't give up. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Forgot to say that. I love Jesus, but I cuss a lot, so you're fine. Okay, great. I don't have two already. Okay. I was like, I was like, okay, this one. I'm very sophista ratchet. Okay. I I hear it. I hear it. I'm I'm black on every color of the spectrum. I'm blick as 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 my man from Black Panther once said. And uh, I, only say, I only say that in regards to uh, uh, the many facets of that. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> they, don't, they don't really give a fuck. No. Who is that? Uh, Patrice O'Neill once said in a bit, uh, when, when the bread man tells you that his prices are going up, you can't be surprised when the milk man does it. Because he's going to look at you like, what the fuck you going to do? You need milk, bitch. Right. <laughs> And so when when they put up Brett Kavanaugh and they they pretty much told you when he has a record of overthrowing uh, jury decisions um, in regards to uh, innocent black men Mm -hmm. and whatever uh, happened between Dr. Uh, Ford. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Ford and whatnot. When you have white women that will go, it was in high school, let it have been them. Well, that's the thing, though. I'm not shocked. 53% of white women voted yeah. for Trump. And when it came to Roy Moore, um, right. black women and black men in Alabama was like, okay, enough is enough. You exactly. know, and and kept that. But still, the the white tally came back. It was just a matter of that. It was just enough black people that, or, you know, other people that went to the polls mm-hmm. as well. But I think it's the concept of what I see time and time again and that's what makes it just so difficult when I'm like yes I really want this inclusive space you know Mm -hmm. is the fact what history has shown me 
the reason why my threshold for Laquan McDonald was so up for anything that happens when it comes to true justice in this company, company Lord, country for people of color. No, you were right the first time. Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, I low-key could have kept that because I feel like we living in the handmaid's tale, but whatever. You know, um, one day I'm going to finish watching that. I, ref- I refuse. Slight side note, I refuse to watch it. Because I loved the book so much. Like, mm. I'm very big on my own imagination. And mm-hmm. every time I have watched something that was once a book, I am really pissed and I want to choke out the screenwriter. <laughs> so I choose to keep my rage and by just holding on to my own memories. That's real. But, yeah, the only thing that does not do that is Game of Thrones. Mm. Which in itself, we live in King's Landing. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> but um, if you've never I mean, seen if you it, really think about it, Trump is Joffrey. Oh, yeah. He okay. He's definitely he just Joffrey. Got the chance to live. Like that's who Joffrey would have turned into. Mm, True. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> I'm like, hey, totally just broke the thirsty. You know? Okay. Um, no, that that definitely is it. But yeah, getting back. Um, it's that is what when the threshold is so low. It's like I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked at all because sometimes it's just a thing of like, man. Cap Williams said it in his last stand-up. I love him. But he was like, oh, white people went to the pubs. Like, y'all was in line. Like, y'all had a secret. Y'all was standing there yeah. like, oh, we know something you don't know. And it's and it, it came out, you know, overwhelmingly. That's why I'm so big on, you know, midterms, or, you know, when it comes to these elections coming mm-hmm. up. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> Congress and the Senate have the, more the, power. The legislative branch has more power than, than the, the executive. executive. And the, the executive judicial just is fulfills a face. it. Mm-hmm. Judi- judi- judicial upkeep shit. Right. Mm-hmm. They but, carry the sentences out, right, but it's yeah. still based on legislative what makes legislative. all the decisions. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I always say that, well, the pettiest thing. I'm like, I don't care if I'm first lady. I want to be married to the right senator. <laughs> like, that <laughs> means nothing to me. Like, because at the end of the day. You get all the power and none of the face time. And then it's also. Still get health care. You can serve one term. Like people, that's what amazes me. I wish we held our sta- ourselves to the standards that we do for immigrants trying to come into this country because we all would fail. We all oh, yeah. would fail that we <laughs> do not know our own government and those who do know it and know it really, really well, whether it's for, you know, positive or negative reasons, they are taking us to town on it because they know like, oh, the general population is stupid. They don't read. They don't know. I don't even know all the the amendments and I'm. Wow. Right, you know, everything that goes into it. I'm not reading a subsection of article. Like, no one does that. And so that's how it's a continuous process of like, well, we can just slip this in and pass that and you all aren't going to notice it. Um, But lastly, what I did notice is Melania Trump showed up to Kenya looking like Eliza Thornberry. I'm like, what is this bitch doing? Like, I was just too through like she showed up in a pith helmet and it's she definitely knows how to make a statement in her clothing now if you all don't know like what i'm referring to she went on you know some safari serengeti you know tour trying to make it seem like oh i still care no you don't um i think she's an excellent example of why i finally Melania Trump is the reason I understand why Marie Antoinette got executed during the French Revolution. It always, before this woman, used to make it seem so unfair that just being married to Louis XVI is the reason why she died. When she was, like, such a young girl, it was an arranged marriage. She really was clueless. But the thing was, she willfully chose to keep herself in a bubble. And even when she was wrongly accused, fun fact, she never said, like, let them eat cake. That was 
uh, the Empress or basically the wife of Louis's grandfather, Louis the Fourteenth, who actually built Versailles, um, who actually started all of their economic problems that even led up to the French Revolution. She didn't say that. His grandma did, but she got blamed for it. Mm-hmm. I never understood until I've seen Melania Trump. I'm like, I can see why if there's a revolution, why you got to go to. Mm-hmm. Because when I look at it, I'm like, you willfully choose to do subtle things that still run in line with the oppressor. Yeah. Showing up to an African nation in a pith helmet, which represents uh, oppression, colonialism, imperialism, everything that, you know, Native peoples cannot stand. And you just came out there and you're crystalline. It's like, bitch, get into my riding boots. Have you lost your mind? Hmm. And this isn't the first time she's done it. When she wore that do, I don't care, do you code, as she yeah, goes yeah, to yeah, visit yeah. kids kept in cages like, you know, we at the Brooklyn Zoo. Um when you look at her, do you think she is just, do you all look at her as like Satan's wife? Is she just like a dumb white woman? Like what is the perception when it comes to the role that she plays within the, the administration? Extreme complicity. I mean, it's the thing about it. I, could look, I look at her as a symbol for what a lot of folks, myself included, have issues with the weaponization of white womanhood and like how complicit it is. Because the same thing like we we're talking about with Kavanaugh, or even the 53% with Trump, it's like you have people on interviews saying like, oh, like what, you know, high school student hasn't done this and looking to their daughters. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody, you know, y'all have had, y'all have gone through this too. It's not that bad. Or if like even hearing stories of, you know, white women telling their daughters that like, hey, don't come forward with this rape or we're just going to brush this over or like you don't want to ruin this. You're complicit in it. It's a thing of like. Or white women kneeling for rape culture. That irritated not supporting. Oh my God, that cabinet. irritated me so much. Like don't co-opt our movement and don't try and use your don't try and exacerbate your victimhood and i say exacerbate because it exists but then also don't try and make it larger than what it is while you're still walking hand in hand with the person who's actively oppressing you but you're willing to walk with them because that whiteness is going to take you very far you still can hide behind it yes even though i i say this all the time like my life is just a reenactment of sojourner's truth ain't i a woman like I never get the same, you know, um, or any woman of color, but black women, we don't get the same, you know, the treatment when, and this is me and I'm not going deep into this, but as a sexual assault victim, like it's not something, I can't tell you the outfit I had on when it happened. I'm 29 years old. I don't remember. You can't tell me, you know, what you ate last week at 2 p.m. or where you were necessarily. And one of my favorite movies is uh, a Henry Fonda movie by the it's called 12 Angry Men. And it actually is about uh, different men, all walk of life, being in a jury room. And at first they all are just like, oh, this boy is guilty. But what you see come into play is like their socioeconomic background is triggering their their own unconscious, unconscious cultural biases are taking place. But one scene in the movie specifically, this man was like trying to base his his vote or off of logic and the fact of like, well, he didn't know where he was at this time. And so he just basically sat there. He was like, well, what did you have for dinner last night? And he kept going with him until the man couldn't remember. And he was like, and you're not under extreme emotional distress. I'm just asking you a question. <laughs> so when you compile that on top of it, it doesn't take away the validity like the woman did. Um even with the Kavanaugh situation, she sat there and did lie detector tests, pass those with flying colors. She's literally just was like, I'm here because I feel it's my civic duty. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm a di- like my life is together. I definitely was able to overcome the situation, but there's a lot of sexual assault victims that that never happens, and because they can't get out of that loop of trauma, they stay in that and it impacts them for the rest of their life in a way more visceral way. So to see women be complicit to it, I'm like, what plant? Like, where am I? And and it really just. It's disgusting to me, but also at the same time, I'm just not shocked anymore about like what humans do. Um, People suck. It, and it, I don't. I love. I try to be the person that looks at the cup, you know, the Hennessy bottle full. Like no, like. <laughs> Sorry, it's a trash cup. But, uh, what really? Yeah, you don't like Hennessy? Okay, I hate Hennessy. What is? I, I, wait, are you all in, like unless drinkers? it's Incredible Hulk? No, I'm not. Didn't you? Don't you drink Hennessy sidecars all the time? So what dark liquor is acceptable? That's the only way I like it. Hennessy sidecar and I can drink Hennessy <laughs> drink? straight. I drink whiskey. I drink Scotch whiskey yeah. though. Okay. I don't. I don't. Hennessy doesn't taste good. It no. doesn't taste good at all. Okay, you all are elevated. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> Because I, 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 I don't want to get caught in that conversation. I always <laughs> I like, okay, you, always you got ha- the one big ice cube in your glass. Okay, no, no, ice is trash too. You got some, but I, I play. I play. In, I mean, for, for my profession, I play in a lot of places mm-hmm. that have high quality. Liquor. Yeah, gotcha. And so uh, you know, I've gotten a chance. You know, because I have a, a tab, and so I got a chance to try out a whole lot of different liquor. And, and mm-hmm. for, I mean, I think Hennessy. I mean, it's not rock good, but I do like a good Hennessy. It's trash. It's just not. I'm just saying. You can't drink it straight. I'm just saying, like. It has to be mixed with something. Oh, well, that's why. I guess I'm not a true liquor connoisseur then because. That's what what I was about to say. Because all I'm saying is is I I think that a lot of people who are in the Hennessy may not have even tried a lot of different. (laughs) I've tried, like, I just don't care care for it. Like, truly, it's just a thing of if I go out, just give me something I can, like. I'll take a whiskey sour. Bullet? Bullet? What'd you say? Bullet. Well, that's a con. I'm sorry. Bullet, Hennessy bullet. is a cognac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A cognac. Um, I don't like cognac. Don't like yeah, yeah, make yeah, me bring up Crown Royal. Yeah, I'm really like, that's one. my laundry money that bag. So, <laughs> 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 but no, uh, but yeah, I uh, to slightly defend myself. Hennessy is um, because he was like, y'all, that makes elevated. Like, no, no, no. I'm not trying to say that you're trash if you drink Hennessy. No, no, no. I'm just saying like. Comparatively, I uh, I used to hate liquor. I used to like the taste of it would bother me. And then the more I would start trying them out, now at this point, I don't drink mixed drinks really. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I drink more straight. Li- I, I drink more straight liquor. Throw a little yeah. cube in it. And I'm more it, I'm more of a neat. Or a neat. I like yeah, I, I, neat. I like I like it room temp. Yeah. Oh wow. It has to be good liquor though. Mm-hmm. For that. Straight. Yeah. It, it has yeah, to be good. Be, you know, you know what I'm saying? Straight, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I can do that some with shit gin. that's nice that and smooth. Right. Gin, God, where are we? Uh, like, gin, I gotta vodka. have. Gin, I gotta have chill though. And bump it. Really? Huh? Yeah. I gotta have gin. Hendrix or like Uncle Val's. See, ain't nobody drinking that Confederacy cocktail. <laughs> like, I have hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't, gin don't, gin don't knock uh, uh, fermented potatoes. But no, no, gin, gin is only bad to people who have never had good gin. If all, if all you've had is Tangeray, Seagram's, Tangeray. Or uh or Bombay, oh which God. are all trash. No. <laughs> also, That's what I'm I think saying. you gotta explore like, and like culturally too. Explore, explore I think there's a thing amongst black people where we don't mess with gin. I remember growing up, like especially during college when I started drinking, you know, like having my father come over and I was like, Yeah, you know, me and my boy were just drinking this Hendrix. He's like, You drinking gin? Are you okay, son? <laughs> right. But there's that thing of like you think of Man. like gin is like 
uh, either a homeless or like you're going through some things mm-hmm. or an alcoholic. Jen it always had that therapy session. Like, you what? Jen, what? Jen, what? Jen, Jen make you sin. And I was just like, no, nah, Jen is like, I'm in a good emotional place. Jen is just smooth. Yeah. Man, like, first time I ever had Jen was with Lemonberry Squeeze. Mm. That's a throwback. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I literally was, was about hit. to be like, is yeah. that a person? That sounds like somebody from Iceberg Slim. It's, like, it's a juice. <laughs> like, right? It's a juice. It's okay. like, like, uh, like a wine punch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, okay, gotcha. But it's a really particular flavor, and it's, it's, it's really good. It is. You. I'll just put it this way. The bougiest you will ever see me is if you got me on, like, the fifth floor of Soho. Like, and even then, I'm like. Just came we'll from see, there. Just, I used to work there, so I'm like, okay. my girl still works there. I'm like, just. Literally Surprise just paid for the brunch. Mm. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I just came from there, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Well, if you, if you ever need a good gin to try, get St. George, either the blue or the green. I don't remember the names or the flavors, but the blue bottle or the green bottle, or Uncle Val's Botanical. Okay. If you can drink mm-hmm. Uncle Val's Botanical and you don't like it, then I'll accept you don't like gin. Mm-hmm. Is that but, sold at Benny's? Yes. Okay. It's Uncle twenty. Chuck. It's like 28 $29. Dollars. Totally it's not, it's, it, what's funny is it's not even considered a high price gin. It's a California gin, and it's as if uh, Juniper Leaf fucked an orange, and then you got <laughs> Uncle Val's Botanical. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> it is good. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely have to try. Look at y'all put me on gang. Got me feeling like educated. Thank you. I mean, you you threw us some education to yeah, us. Definitely. I'm about to say. So, education. Now, yours was way more valuable. Nah. It's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, liquor matters. Like. Liquor, amazing black people. <laughs> nah, nah. The turn up is dope. You know what the funny thing was? At first, I was really struggling trying to figure out what I was going to make for you better know because I was like, man, he's a choreographer. He's in education, and this nigga over here is like <laughs> Buddy Bolden's grandson. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? That's a name to just yeah. And I was just like, dang it. So I was gonna make it like Sidney Bechet, and I'm like, no, he's a clarinetist. So I was like, I'm just gonna do someone that ain't none of their industries, yeah. and they yeah. all can get. Or, what, or we could all offer someone from our industries. Good point. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, send that to me. So then that way we're gonna do that offline. Because okay, I yeah. no shade to Alvin A, but I'm like, no, there's got to be other there people are, in other this. Like, people. no disrespect to, to Baba Alvin. And that's what I'm saying, like yeah. no shade at all. Um Alrighty, so that wraps up. So according to IG, sorry everyone, I didn't have anything, you know, um from the lace front IG community this week to share. I don't really care what's happening with Cardi or Nikki or okay. Offset. I had no idea what you were talking Man. about, but thank you. That's I'm getting fine. tired of this beef in general. It's like it's there's so much more we could be doing yeah. with ourselves and with our platforms. Absolutely, it's a lot. I definitely. We're just trying to be the change. You know what I'm saying? I definitely agree. I think sometimes it truly just depends on how annoyed I am in the moment. If that makes sense, like some days I' gonna be honest, I will tap into trash TV just because I'm like. It's mindless. And I know that sounds like maybe messed up to say, like, why would you ever? But no, the I carnal answer would be sometimes I just like looking at people and going, my life might be bad. But my God, it is not that bad. Like, it's never that bad. But then there's times where I'm just like, no, for real, for real, there's real shit happening. I don't give a damn yeah. that you just threw a Manolo Blahnik at her lace front. You know, so I completely understand. It just depends on, like. I, what's funny is I, I don't pass judgment on people who do that. Uh, I'm always a little confused as to people who watch, you know, Housewives and all that kind of stuff. But I get it because in that same token, I'll go watch Big Mouth. 
Big uh, Big Mouth is a great Big Netflix show. Smart though, it's hilarious. It's smart, but it's a thing of this is not helping my life in any way besides providing me laughter. Is this like and a South Park? What is Big Mouth? So Big Mouth is a yeah. Netflix cartoon by. Uh, oh, I saw uh, that uh, thing. Okay. Yeah, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Hilarious. Okay, I've never seen depictions of puberty done so well. Right. That's right. He wasn't he in love with a soccer. Oh yeah. Huh? Oh, he was, he was oh, one, one of the kids. The pillow. One of the, one of the kids fucks his pillow, and okay. like that was his like sexual and upbringing. the pillow gets pregnant. Uh, <laughs> All right. So wrapping up. So according to IG, uh, we're gonna move right into what the fuck? Okay, we're moving right into like, and y'all all just sit here like, nah, man, he really loved her. What? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's like Rick and Morty humor. It's like one of those. Rick it's and extremely is one. obnoxious, but then it's high. Intellect humor yes. in an obnoxious form. Um, right. Y'all talking to the lane that like watches jazz by Kim Burns? They're like, I just got through oh, watching oh, that too. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> what I was just like, what? Like, y'all gonna have to bring me back to jazz people. That's also not as I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like when I trailer. I, I, no, <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying to, to jazz people. I mean, especially the the whole history of uh-huh. of jazz. That whole documentary on how it ends. It's oh, like, okay. then when Marcellus came and Marcellus, when Marcellus came yeah. and he uh, he saved the culture and it's uh, it's now saved and uh, mm. now it's preserved and and that is all. You know, I I think it's kind of like me growing up in Houston and being like in the whole world of marching band and mm-hmm. drumline comes out and it's like, yeah, this is what marching band's about right here, but it's actually not. You know I- what I'm saying? When things aren't documented well and. So you don't think that it was documented well, or are you not a fan of Kim Burns? You don't? Did, no, you I'm like just that necessarily that documentary. It's fine. I, I'm I not going to bite you. I'm opening the can of worms right now, but I, I feel that I mean, yeah, it was documented well. Okay. Um, it's just you the know ending. about about certain documentaries on how how they they become biased, mm-hmm. you know, and mainly on the ending. It's it's just been a in the in the jazz circle over the years. It's been kind of revered it's kind of like how people think of kenny g and it's like jazz people how they feel about kenny g it's like I uh it, I don't you know what i'm saying so it's just he's always yeah out of i just thought i'd put that always out of tune i have to now you got me. okay i have to because i remember being in the fifth grade mm-hmm. that my parents never let me stay up late for shit like mm-hmm. they were like eight o'clock that is it and my parents for a week straight let me stay up and watch the jazz documentary. Mm-hmm. And my father, he recently passed, but the thing was, my dad was like 82. So my home was literally the reason why at first I didn't know about like Jodeci and everything. Like my house went all the way up to like it cut off like at like the 80s, you know, if that mm-hmm. makes oh, sense. Wow. Whereas mm-hmm. like my dad would be in the crib like listening to Bird and, or mm-hmm. Charlie yeah, Parker, yeah, yeah. John. Mm-hmm. John Coltrane's fine. Sorry, wait, y'all don't care about that. But the point is, like, John Coltrane, um, and, you know, those were my reference points. So me seeing that that documentary was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I'd have become partial to it just because, like, that was, like, me and my dad's thing. Like, we Mm -hmm. loved watching jazz by Kimber. Exactly. So I... Speaking mostly about the ending, but uh, it's it's a great documentary. It was, especially, like, with the Brubeck, like, takes, come Mm -hmm. on, like... 
I could talk about that all day. All righty. <laughs> um, moving right into the interview portion, my favorite part. So I have a question. I interviewed these three um, amazing, or rather, <clears throat> I introduced these three amazing young men at the onset in terms of what it is that they are developing in the, uh, what I like to call the artistic space. Um, super, super excited to have them here. I'm going to jump right into it. You all have been giving me like, the best man video. Remember when they were like singing that song, be the best. Like you all can give me those vibes. I'm like, look at these men. Like coming, no toxic back. Right. I made a big mistake. Yes, I yes. Okay. You better hit that out. Hold up. Cause I'm still your boy. Like, okay. So no, they've definitely been giving those vibes. I'm just going to jump right and ask into it. How did you all like become friends, meet one another, and you know how did how did you bring produ- production colors to life? Mm. All right, uh, that's a story. I could I, I'll give the briefest synopsis I can. Uh, me and Justin know each other because uh, I I dance in uh, the company that his sister co-directs. Oh wow! And so um, it's on the mic. Oh gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Nothing, so guys, just black love happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so um um. Me and Justin finally started kicking it through a mutual friend, and vibe was just clear and clean. Vibes. Um, Vibes. Uh, Sagittarian men tend to gravitate to each oh, other anyway. Sagittarius. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> and so we started kicking it more and more, um, and the one of the, organ, uh, one of the programs that I run is an Emerging Choreographer Showcase. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, we were breaking up. She was leaving and moving to Rochester, and she was my, uh, she was my project manager. And so when she left, uh, uh, my uh, Jegna and director uh, was like, hey, have you considered Justin? He has a great um, managerial mind, so why don't you ask him if he'd be interested? And so then Justin became the project manager for uh, ECS. And so that fired off. We continued to work. And through work, you always get closer. Uh-huh. And then about three, four years ago, um, I knew Sam through a mutual friend uh, who was in, their, uh, in the band that he's in, uh, Sidewalk Chalk, um, a former member of that, of that band, um, had introduced me to the people and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I ran into Sam at a um, at an event called Party Noir over at Promontory. Oh, Shout Noir. out to Ray, Nick, uh, at Party Noir. Um, met Sam there, and I was like, oh, shit, man, you Sam Trump? Uh, as many people normally do. He was like, yeah. As <laughs> <laughs> Sam normally cool does. Sam. Like. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm a fan of your work, and uh, I'd be really interested in working. He's like, oh, man, cool. So we talked for a little bit. And I sent him some videos of my work, and uh, and Sam got back to me like the next morning, um, which I was just mad flattered by. He was like, "Yo, man, this is really dope. I would love to work with you." And uh, cool. So uh, after that, can we, I jump in real quick? By means, yeah. Like- <laughs> so you know, when you're working uh, and you're visible, you know, a lot of times people approach. And they say they want to work with you, you know. And I always ask to see, you know, what you're what you're doing, you know. And so, you gotta make sure they're not wet. You know yeah, that? I mean, you gotta make sure. <laughs> Josh sent me these videos like an hour after we met, or so like maybe within an hour. I got home and watched these videos, and I was just like, man, this guy wants to work with me. Like, 
like this work is so awesome to me and I was very I was just blown away by this the 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 creativity the 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 way these beautiful bodies were like the choreography was constructed to 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 make the the body move in ways that I that I really don't even think of or I di- couldn't imagine you know and, and it was such art that um when I got back to Josh I was just so excited. I was, <laughs> I was. I definitely got back to him the next day and was like, say, "Yo, yeah. yo, let's let's talk." You know. Mm-hmm. So I just had to put that in. Like Josh is a very, very, very superlative um, artist. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's also, you know, mm-hmm. just in general, um, you bring up a good point in terms of when you're more visible. Um, you know how. I mean, we should work together, but no one can like necessarily define that. Which for me, the more like I've become ingrained in like being you know collaborative with different like brands and everything i look into it and like i need to know how like set the Mm -hmm. the like what do you want to do with me exactly because it's true everyone is going to use you and that being used is not necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. but also at the same time like if you can't articulate to me how you want to use me or how you think we can work together with my time being what it is so precious like that helps me sort like the wheat from the chaff, if you will. No shade to where someone might be in their own creative Absolutely. journey, but you have to align yourself with people that have the same passion and goals and vision. So it's very clear looking at you all that it's not like, well, one person is the Beyonce and then everybody else is like Latoya and Latavia. Like, no, everyone <laughs> is carrying <laughs> their weight. How Latoya Jackson getting there? <laughs> <laughs> Not Jackson. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, no, okay, I'm, I'm, like, I'm joking. I'm, I'm like, I don't know uh, if they get that. But right. no, uh, what what I always love about these relationships anyway is that we constantly gas each other. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. Anytime someone asks me this story, I'm gonna say it from the most humble and modest place. I'm not gonna say anything toward me at all. I went through all y'all stats. I'm always glad just uh, that that Justin Noah Sam will jump in and be like, "So what actually happened was exactly. <laughs> that motherfucker Josh is great." Exactly. Like both of them. Did still. you see him soar? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you see the arabesque? Don't you do that to yourself? Right <laughs> 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 oh, like, Come on. No, I got you. Uh, but yeah, so uh, um. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it concise. No, so, you're fine. Uh, uh, we we started talking, and uh, I'll I'll meeting. Yeah, we started meeting person, and yeah. kicking it at the house, uh, at his house primarily. And so he'll be recording stuff. He'll play some stuff for me. We 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 bounce ideas off of each other. And I remember him saying like, "Yo, man, whatever I do, uh, like whatever we do, that's why you want to make sure it's about love. Like you know, it's got it got we got to we got to talk about love." I'm mad you do this. <laughs> 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 That's exactly what it is. Like, Look, Sam is the smoothest brother of all time. I'm telling you, like, man. When you meet him, you be like, hey, what's good, man? You, you know, know what's like, funny? This. I remember seeing, so where was it? Um, my girl, she did Black Sex Matters, and it was the one that was at, like, the Stony Arts Bank, and I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't know who you were, but, like, you, there was some song going, and I was like, better know these lyrics because i i mean to be quite honest like i've seen you before but it's just a matter of sometimes you look at you and you're like they're just giving me like real calm peaceful mm-hmm. vibes so it's like that was the actual i'm like okay he has a little turn up in him it's not just all about like quarter notes i'm like I, said, okay. <laughs> I, I was like uh-huh. so i feel like out of everyone like you all play your positions i'm like but okay you all have it in you good mm-hmm. job okay absolutely um, um oh no keep going uh, I don't know where I was. About love, I mean, it's oh right. It's, you know, it's 
I, I think that with, with the brand that I try to represent because there's so much um, so much we're dealing with, you know, just like mm-hmm. how we even, you know, open up with all those uh, topics uh, about, you know, politics. Like, there's so much happening. I just want to make sure that my my contributions and even with collaborations that there's that there's a certain level of um positivity and Absolutely. of that that just that you know that that art that's rooted in love you know just just to kind of balance that thing out you smooth that thing out like andre 3000 come on man. <laughs> smooth that thing out. um and, and i i love that he i love that he had that he had spoke about it in that way because i was I remember he made that point in the beginning. Just uh, what was it? Growing up, you, uh, I was always reminded, um, don't be uh, obliviously optimistic, but be really aware of all the positive things that are happening, mm. because socialization teaches you to look at negative first. Um, black is bad. Black is mm. problematic. Why are you getting ahead of the story, girl? Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Touche, money. Colors. But yeah, so um, he had brought that up, and I was like, "Yeah, man, let's." I'm 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 always about that, and so the first the first show um, entitled "Whoop a Soulful Experience." A soulful experience. Um, we 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 broke it up. And we were like, make, um, love is an integral part of this, and let's let's show every aspect we can of each of the, of each of these things. So we took eight colors, we uh, and we had emotions tied to every color. Mm. And not to take any kind of credit for that, uh, that is, um, who, I think his name is uh, Jeff Johns, and one other uh, author who wrote um, Blackest Night. It's a Green Green Lantern novel. Okay. Because uh, I'm a geek. Oh, the and, um, the quote. Fear Green Lantern. I know exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm thinking and, of uh, the mantra. No, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but let I me mean, the whole Green Lantern, uh, mm-hmm. Darkest Day, Blackest Night. No, you just gotta say, escape my sight. Uh, all of that. But uh, there are actually like seven other Lantern cores mm-hmm. that all have their own color and emotional ties and whatnot. So we were like, let's take that skeleton and let's make a show out of that. Mm-hmm. I was reading it at the time. <laughs> um, and so, so green represented willpower, right? Yeah. And we had um, yellow fear, red rage, blue hope. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, purple or uh, violet? Violet was a uh, uh, compassion, compassion, mm-hmm. love. Yeah. And uh, um, but then we noticed, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, every every comic, I, every comic I've ever read, uh, white was good and black was bad. Yeah. yeah. And it's like no matter where you look at, we're always trying to fight the darkness with the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that concept. And so side. I remember, uh, I remember when we were talking. We were like, "Yo, that's the first thing we're getting rid of. We're gonna change that part mm-hmm. to begin with." And so we made white transition because uh, if you ever look at like uh, um, the blank space between worlds of life mm-hmm. and death, or you, uh, uh, if you if you get a Dragon Ball Z reference, the like hyperbolic time chamber was like a big void of white. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this transitional space between everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then black, we uh, we made rebirth and uh, balance, primarily rebirth in the sense of nothing exists without black. True. Yeah. That's where we come every from. That's where we return. Every time, it's it's every origin, it's every destination, it's it's the it's the genesis of everything. You bring up a full nerd moment about to happen, but just in terms of like um, 
that was something I was always raised on. Mm. It's a fact. I remember my dad would be like, think about it. Like, there's the Black Plague, Black Widow Spiders, like anything at times with a black connotation is has a negative mm -hmm. um, attached to it. But then when I started to look like white is a reflective light. So it reflects everything within the color spectrum, whereas the black ingests everything. Mm -hmm. So it's almost in a sense of, I guess, layman terms of saying like, and it just all the colors of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So when I look at that, I'm like, that's kind of reflective of us, like, or, you know, as our community or, mm -hmm. you know, looking at us as a people. So it just, it always took it. You bear the weight. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm You know, we, the good, the bad, everything, like, we take it all, you know, and it, it does create this beautiful, you know, hue. I think, first off, it's a slimming color. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in general, like, but even outside of, like, just being funny, like, it's a beauty that I definitely, you know, like to see how you all are reclaiming that narrative mm -hmm. of what it means, what is black, you know, not only just as a color, but what it, it triggers and makes people think of. Mm -hmm. So when you all were honing out this or hammering out, I should say, how are we going to do this? What was like the one cornerstone, the one thing that you knew you wanted production colors to represent? Oh, no, I'm going to make y'all think like. The one cornerstone we want to take care. Of? I feel like I've been talking too much. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I think I think collaboration is a beautiful thing. You know, I I think it was very evident of uh, I I think that was very evident what we were trying to do mm -hmm. with our collaboration, which was create something new, create you know new. push boundaries and, and do something that that no one has done before. Um, but I, I think I think the coming together, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, and bringing the, the, the two worlds together and making something completely original out of that, I think it's, it's like the, to me, I, I think it was kind of like the more surface thing that, that everybody mm -hmm. received from it. It's like, yeah, I mean, why not? These are two, two great people in their realms of, of mm -hmm. art or, you know, and, and they're bringing in their perspectives and, and they're staying true to it, but they're also creating... Like with this whole idea, Josh and I have kind of constructed this this space mm -hmm. where we can we kind of created it, and now it's like okay, now we're gonna build around it. We're gonna build this house there, you know what I'm saying? And this is we don't even know what we we kind of want this, we want that, but mm -hmm. we don't know what it's gonna look like. And so um, creating this space and then inviting people, hey, come check out this house we mm -hmm. just made mm -hmm. in this in this space. You know, I I think it's it's just what it is. You know, like. Just saying, hey, let's let's try some, let's work together, and let's build something that nobody has done before. Because and, uh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, it, it. I love that you put it that way because the I think the intentional and unintentional, like conscious and subconscious goal, has always been when when we're trying to make something that doesn't exist. So <laughs> the vision can't be tangible. Mm. <laughs> You don't know what it, 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 it looks like. It's That's real. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. we can't know exactly what we're trying to aim for mm -hmm. because that would mean it existed already. Yeah, you should have seen. <laughs> and you should have seen us. Um, and so Justin kind of came like in the latter part of that as we were planning to, you know, uh, mm -hmm. of course Justin and Josh were already working together. They mm -hmm. already had this relationship uh, before the, our very first show. You know, presenting this, you know, production colors and actually defining it. We did a Q and A after both shows that weekend. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, Justin came a, a part of this, and and you should have seen all three of us um, in in one room together with uh, the storytellers for the f- the second mm-hmm. show we came yeah. about. And we can talk more about that, but just on this subject matter of like trying to envision something that's that's intangible, there were so many questions like, oh, well, what? From them, like, well, what, what exactly are we trying? To, and yeah. we like, well, we don't know. We want to, you know, yeah. but how do we want to talk how, about like, blackness? Yeah, how like, represent it. How are we gonna address it? Yeah, but it's literally what it is. It's like we're trying to create a space first, and then in that space, you want to tr- try to construct something that you don't even know what it is because you have you your know. intentions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you you send your mm-hmm. intentions in the direction, but it's never like. But it has to be this way. Mm-hmm. It has to look that way. You gotta do it this way. Mm-hmm. I think the way if the way I hear it or the way it sounds to me, it sounds like you all have the house that you all are turning into the home. Mm-hmm. In the sense of like when you think about a house, you move into a space, it's empty. Mm-hmm. But over time someone adds the picture frames or here's mom's favorite mixing bowl or you know mm-hmm. it's things that turn it from that house into the home but it's the combination of everyone else contributing to it mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that that to me is kind of like level three or four though okay i think when you're trying to even discover a place mm-hmm. to build say at home you know what i'm saying that's, okay that's you're like let's... journey in of itself gotcha. you know? mm-hmm. yeah. and then once you find a place then it's also like okay how are we gonna lay this foundation Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that is a part of the journey as well. But just want to, you know, clarify that. I, that we're still very, we're still way before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That it's not even a house. And truth be told, aiming for a house is less than what we're trying to do. Okay. I'm trying to make a spaceship. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here I'm for it. To, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm trying to make, like, a, 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 a <laughs> colony. Right, like, fuck a house. It's it's almost too. uh, It's so much bigger than us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for for me anyway. Gotcha. I can't tell you how many times in the development of this show, uh, in those prior conversations, in um, when we were building the second show, redefining black. Yeah. uh, uh, I hosted these. We hosted these uh, uh, um, community conversations. Um, and pretty much every conversation, I made a social experiment to show people that they had a subconscious bias against darkness. Mm-hmm. And so in that, once people realized that that was what they did, everyone tried to renege. Exactly. And everyone would try to go back. Like, I'm not that like this. But that's not what, that's not, yeah. that's not, you know, it's not like that. Well, that's not how I feel about people. But the big thing was always like, yo, if you, if in every other aspect of your life, you think black is evil, demented, all this other kind of stuff. This but is then not you, the one aspect. This is not the like, one you're going to let go of. This is the one time I like this. It's completely like... immune. Yeah. Or you get into, um, uh, uh, Smokey Robinson used to say, um, uh, back on Death, Death Poetry Jam, uh, you, you try to keep changing how you identify because you don't like how that word feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's a thing of, why I'm 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 talking very animatedly for those of you who can't see. Um, oh, you should see it right now. You should see it. <laughs> like, this whole choreography. Full hand movement. <laughs> like, um, Let me but, try to describe. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where somebody take this. I lost it. If I understand where you was going with it, from 
you know, what you're being designated as, you want to change it because you want to have the ability to self-define, but at the same time, you're trying to run away from what somebody has told you you are mm-hmm. um, when it comes to either the research we were doing or either just, you know, our addressing blackness, you have to take control of that. Like, Thank you me. can't still be going by somebody else's constraints that they put on you by saying, and it makes me think of, like, black celebrities where it's like, I'm not black. But it's like you only want yeah. not to be black because of what someone else has told it's you. associated with it. You're still operating underneath their control system. Like, you haven't regained anything because right. you're still going to have the system act upon you. They're still going to be looking at you a certain way. And you can't run from what you are. You have to take that back. Gotcha. Now I remember. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember what uh, I was originally speaking to at the second conversation. We I had about seven, uh, three formally. Um, the second one, I remember a young woman who uh, who came a little later. She went, "That's too deep." She said, it was, she, was she, it the she, Rogers Park one?" Uh, in the Rogers yeah, Park. Yeah, one. She yeah. was like, uh, "She was like, how you how do you expect me to do deal with something that big?" And I was like. Do you deal with things involving you? <laughs> Michael Jackson told us this about the man in the mirror. <laughs> like it's a th- it's a thing of deal with you, yeah. and once you deal with you and you're clear about the things that you won't accept, right? People will people will make a decision on whether or not they want to deal with that with you. Yes. <laughs> And so it's a thing of when people come around me and they they use black or darkness in bullshitty ways, and I go. I'm pointing. Uh, if, if I put my fingernail next to your pupil, right. <laughs> and, and you're like, why are you doing that? I'm like, pick a different word. There were 26 other words you could have put mm-hmm. right there. Exactly. Because That's linguistic that laziness. Yeah. And I've adopted that too. I mean, I know uh, mm-hmm. oh, Josh yeah. spearheaded that, but um, in my conversations as well, you know, I had a conversation with uh, with Rico from Sidewall Chalk. Mm. Um, we're talking, we have this song called Them Us, and it's talking about divisions mm-hmm. and separation. And uh, he does his whole... I spill at the end of the song after he pours out his heart about, um, you know, being dealt with, you know, as far as, you know, uh, racist people dealing with him rather. Um, and so then he starts to say, you know, these, you know, you know, battling all these dark times. I was like, yo, you're kind of contradicting yourself when you're talking about race. And then you use, you know, this this color, mm-hmm. this this color word in a negative way, you know, and so just kind of policing other people as well as well as my own um you know talking as well my own rhetoric um on on that on using blackness and darkness in in a negative way and it's mm-hmm. something that when we first started working on this project with this the, the second you know redefining black i remember sitting in your car and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and i said something and he was like mm. uh, <laughs> exactly uh, can't remember you, exactly what i you said you want to run that back <laughs> And, and, and it, it makes people uncomfortable. And yeah, it's, it, 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 it fucks up energy in spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. I, I'm, my big thing is, and this has been like something I've been saying for maybe a year or two at this point, discomfort is where growth happens. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I all Okay. There's nothing or a lot of things that happen within this universe that is not the product of pain or discomfort. You don't get diamonds without pressure. You don't get oil without drilling. Mm-hmm. And you don't get pearls without sand. So mm-hmm. it's just like when it all comes down to it, it is always from an uncomfortable aspect that you get something beautiful and tangible. And now that is so highly sought after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like we all can't afford to go to Dr. Miami. Sometimes you just have to do the crunches on your own, sis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like... Through the pain of your muscles tearing, guess what? You'll get a six pack. Like this mm-hmm. is how 
And it's how science yeah. works. Like, yes, I completely but, but agree. But I, I find that to be one of the bigger challenges about us today mm-hmm. and how we're dealing with an issue that's been happening for decades upon centuries upon millennia. Because we've put a, a Band-Aid on this bullet bone, and that's what it is. We're just trying to, you know, continue to add more Band-Aids to it instead of yeah. ripping it off and doing the painful stitch work that is necessary to close the gash. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the biggest piece. But I do have to know Message. this last <laughs> how do you all balance then you all having the ideals putting this concept together mm-hmm. clearly you all are in the investing stage of this with your own like personal lives like is there ever a time that you're like okay let me tap out of the public persona let me tap out of like being so public and mm-hmm. let me just chill and watch what was that show big fish big yeah big mouth, big mouth. Big mouth. Big mouth. right watch big <laughs> mouth like, september you said what? That was me in September. September. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was, yeah, it was clearly at, right after our, our last show. Mm-hmm. Um, that recovery period. Man. That's real. You hit it with a I know, Josh, he's, I, he's I haven't gotten my head. Yeah, you get, hopefully about never to get on stop, a break. Hopefully. Kind of. <laughs> October is a little, it's a little calmer, but. Okay. Yeah. Um, Y'all don't have no grandma's house to go over to? Like, what's going on here? Like, no, somebody. My grandma's house. Oh, okay. Might as well. Wrong reference. (laughs) (laughs) But no, um, like for me, that that recovery period, I I need to disappear. Yeah. I got to. Mental health matters, okay? Self-care is beyond manicures and getting my hair retwisted sometimes. Like I need to get little. But real shit, um, my minute minute self-care and recovery is when I go home, I turn it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily. I'll still be on social media and all that kind of stuff, but um, I need to watch Big Mouth. I, <laughs> I need to watch Rick and Morty because I need I need some kind of comedy that's going. I'm I'm a lover of stand up, so like it's a thing of I, uh, beyond me being able to watch the science of stand up. I need I need something that's not going to make me pay attention to this right now. Gotcha. Uh, and then in December I can run off to uh, Durban or somewhere on the continent and be like and excommunicate myself for a week cool but what's yours i'm a i'm a hardcore introvert naturally even though i'm extroverted so i know that there's i only have so much energy for people period mm-hmm. um so outside i'm going home and go to sleep man y'all have taken it out of me i'm it's, like oh, it's right a, and it's good <laughs> but like even in positive situations or like going through everything we did with the planning of this and the execution of it um yeah, I just kind of like just shut myself off from a lot of things just because it's taxing to kind of always be on or always be productive mm-hmm. or always, like you were saying, with big mouth, you know what I'm saying, or just sitting down, you know, having a drink by my damn self. Yeah. It is necessary for me to detach the availability of my energy to other folks. Like, I can love you. I enjoy people like y'all where I can just be. I ain't got to be on. I ain't got to be entertained. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, it's cool. But, like, there is a certain point where it's like, yo, I'm just about to go home. I don't got no plans. I'm going to keep my plans as nothing. I'm mm-hmm. going to eat. I'm going to sip something. I'm going to watch some stupid TV. And then I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm going to probably do that for a while just so I don't have to give any part of myself to nobody else. Definitely. Name what's yours. I, um... Uh... I don't know. I have a very unique lifestyle. I'm always having to be on. I'm always having to be around people. Um, 
Are you an extrovert, though? I'm an extrovert. Okay. Um, Since I've become more more known locally, because, yeah, sometimes I go places and I'm just recognized too much. Mm. And sometimes it can be overstimulating. Sometimes I would, just over, in the last, my point is in the last two or three years, in the last one or two years, I've kind of become more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. I've been an extrovert all my life, um, and I love being around people. I love, I love the interaction, you know. Um, but when your job is to be around people and to be on the stage, right. as soon as you get off the stage, you're, you know, people want to talk. You, you know, usually I'm like, okay, I'm I'm here, I'm here, so I'm not gonna go to the back green room and just sit down. I'm gonna be as accessible as I can be. And um, nowadays, I realize that. You know, we had this conversation. I had a little kickback at the crib, and the conversation um, uh, came around to, you know, do you think it's fair that people can come to your personal space just by your by your phone? Like, they can just reach you at any time? Do you think that it's fair that you're always that accessible? You think that it's right, you know? And uh, it, it had me, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's very, that's real. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so lately I've, I've kind of, Learn to, you know, tell some people like, "Hey, I mean, I'll, I'll get to you when I when I can get to you right. when the time right. is right," you know, and being okay with that, mm-hmm. and um, you know, not announcing that I'm not going to be on social media for this last week, but I'm just not going to be there, you know. I I kind of uh, was having this talk with somebody earlier, you know, um, if you're gonna just cut off from social media for a second because you feel like you need to just do it you just know do it. you don't owe anybody any explanation mm-hmm. if you if you don't want to answer this text message until tomorrow you don't owe anybody that explanation because like, text messages are not time sensitive that's, yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah you need me call me yeah <laughs> that's what the function is for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My, I mean, my, I don't, I don't really have an unplugged thing. I, I'm always on. I always have to be on because I have so much that I do, that I have to do for my brands and all that. But when it's as of lately, um, uh, what I've been trying to do is uh, just take that time. You know, um, me and my lady, we kind of help each other out in this too. We kind of designate time on Sundays to just get together and even like plan for the week. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is our time to just kind of just not work, but actually just plan because there's so much time where you could you could be doing so much work and not really planning, but you're mm-hmm. not, and so you're not really getting as far as you, as you, you could. Yeah, you're busy, busy. busy work, that busy work, right? And so, um, so yeah, that's been real helpful. I mean, I don't really have a thing where I'm just, like, unplugging completely because I, I have to be. Gotcha. Yeah. No. You know, I'll take a car nap in a second. What? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, no. I'm because my car is like a safety net. Yeah. You know, okay. like you, uh, safe space. It's like it's like that place where I ain't got it. Or if I got That's work to finish, kitchen. I'll fin- <laughs> if I got work to finish, I'll finish it in the car. Mm. So I don't have to take it in the house. Mm. That is a, okay. So that is a big thing for me. I I say that all the time at work or with whatever I'm doing. Like when I'm here, I am here. When I get home, this email is not getting answered. Yeah, yeah. The client is not about to curse us out and go away. We are a tech conglomerate. They'll be here. Like, mm-hmm. the money will still come rolling in. Right. So I think sometimes setting that hard boundary in the Sam matters. Um, 
I'm going to wrap it up just because I definitely want you all to, I, I feel like I hear, you know, pedestrians as well as like cars moving. So I'm like, look at this marathon finally being over. Thank God. <laughs> um, but when I tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed having you all on the show just to chop it up. Thank you for being so flexible in terms of coming like last minute. Cause I typically try and get things out sooner, but Hey, things happen, but thank you all for all definitely good. being here. It was Anytime. my pleasure. Um, definitely you. let me know when you all have like any other events going. I will definitely be like throwing the flag up, like no, go support their trail. So, uh, um, if, if I may do the plug, oh, plug yeah, away, do that, do that. So, if you if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna follow us on any of the social medias, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, you can find us on Facebook at, at Production Colors. You sound like somebody, Uncle Rufus. Right, <laughs> you can find us on on Instagram at, at Production Colors. Mm-hmm. Right, and you can also find us on Twitter at, at Prod Colors. Prod Colors. Prod right. Colors. I Prod Colors. Right. <laughs> I want to make sure I said that right. You could also follow us uh, on our personal stuff if you need to. Sam Trump. Um, everything. If everything. you if you can spell my Instagram name, then you deserve to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I underscore Floxanasanihila pillificate. <laughs> I really messed that up. I Floxanasanihila pillificate. All right, and then yours would <laughs> <laughs> be like. <laughs> Uh, mine is like, the Clark Kent. You can follow me at the Clark Kent. And then also, if you have any collaborations you want to do, if you have anything you want to talk to us about as an organization, you can also email us at info at productioncolors.org. All right. And let me also say, don't email them with no damn foolishness. Set collaborations. What do you want from them? Don't sit there and like, man, we really just want to like vibe. That's great. Vibe how? Alrighty, so thank you so much guys for being on the show. I'm just going to quickly wrap up with my motivational message. My motivational message is stop getting upset when people walk over the boundaries you did not set. Let me say this again. Stop Mm. getting upset when people walk over the boundaries you did not set. I think that is something that when it comes to business dealings, personal relationships, it's so easy for us to get in our feelings and want to call up a friend and have this whole, you know, lunch powwow or replay some basketball wife scene and complain Mm -hmm. about how this person did this to me and where was the clear line in the sand in terms of what that foot was not supposed to step over. If you communicate, if you're more of a visual person, this person is more of an auditory, whatever the issue is, as adults, Everybody is grown as fuck, y'all. We are not watching Lamb Chop anymore. It is RIP t-shirts to Mr. Rogers. Open your mouth and stop allowing miscommunications to put you in an emotional flux in which you now can't move out of it. Because if you think feeling anxious or feeling bad because... No, well, what if they're upset at me? You feel 10 times worse when you do not set that boundary. And if this person truly loves you, if they truly respect you, if they truly, even if they don't love you, if they respect you though enough to even want to do business with you, then they will respect that boundary. 
if they don't know it's there, you can't be upset with them for crossing over something that you didn't tell them. And if you have maybe been in a position where you're trying to um, restructure what those boundary lines are, which is what all of us have the right to do. Being human is a journey. It's evolution. There is nothing wrong with saying, hey, I know you're used to dealing with me in this sense, but where I currently am right now in this space, I need you to deal with me accordingly. It is not called cursing somebody out being like i wish the fuck you would not listen keep the hand movements and the tone <laughs> level <laughs> right it's not the fuck you mean conversation where you about to sit there and put yourself in traction but what does matter is that you need to vocalize what it is that you need to people and then hold them accountable as well as hold yourself accountable if you are not saying that. I want everyone to have an amazing week. Um, keep your edges moisturized. Also, my people, cuffing season is upon us. Please make sure that you are cuffing or cuffing something that is like nice and warm and cozy. No Walmart blankets this year. We need, we've elevated. Like let, let's do like you know sax fist cheerling you know let's get a little bougie in what we are cuffing for this season 2018 oh thank you know i tried thank you um she just called trash people walmart blankets <laughs> i mean let's be real we all had a bit <laughs> like, like yo there's a look it's, go to bed bath and beyond <laughs> If you want to, okay? But for me and mine, these shoulders will be draped in the finest of fabrics. No, I'm kidding. Get you a quality duvet. Duvet. And if you don't know what a duvet is, you might want to take yourself out the running, okay? This is duvet weather, okay? Ain't nobody doing this damn bed in the bag, okay? Um, I have taken myself out of cuffing season, so don't come to me with that bullshit. I'll hurt your feelings. Now, that is how we are going to wrap up. Joy has questions. Thank you so much to my amazing guests, and I will see you next week on the show. Bye. Peace, love, and blackness. Woo. Bye, y'all.